from the Lasser Cast, where we review movies and TV shows that are all about horror. And today, I get a chance to talk to one of my favorite horror writers and a friend of mine, Mr. Joshua McMillan. Josh, welcome back to the Lasser Cast. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege to be here. <laughs> uh, Josh has been on the show a couple of times now at this point. He was on when we reviewed Moloch, which is on Shudder. And then he came back when we had a little panel and we discussed uh, Halloween Ends and we also discussed um, Hellraiser, the reboot. And so, Josh, right off the bat, I know that you have a big love for Michael Myers and the Halloween franchise. Was that movie, yeah. was the 1978 Halloween your introduction to horror? No. Um, I mean, it was there with my initial introduction um but my initial introduction really came from my mom my mom yeah. loved having it on the tv in the background um while she was cleaning the house or whatever um she didn't really shy away from letting us watch what pretty much whatever we wanted um if it had like way too much nudity or anything like that she kind of she had an issue with that yeah but um horror movies she didn't really care about uh, my mom i i will say my mom's not a big slasher fan but she mm -hmm. did enjoy halloween um my mom liked more of like your rosemary's baby or the exorcist you know these more cerebral uh, slow burn atmospheric horror movies. Yeah. That's what my mom liked. Um, my, my parents, when I, I must've been 10, nine, 10, 11, my parents separated and they ultimately got a divorce and my dad would take us on the weekends and he would pretty much let us rent whatever we wanted to, um, okay. to keep us entertained over the weekends. And yeah. that's where my love really started to happen because my oh, okay. mom, like she, she would watch horror, you know, um, it'd be on the TV. We'd have it on the TV, but then, you know, just browsing the shelves of a Hollywood video or a blockbuster and seeing the artwork, that's what really caught our attention. And yeah. then realizing, oh, wow, there's a lot more to these movies than what you see on TV you know, ratings boards, cutting things out and all that, you know, your mind, our minds were blown. Um, I have a twin brother and him and I would just go back and forth. We still, to this day, we go back and forth trying to one up each other on horror movies. And I, I've yet to beat him. He, he introduced me to a Serbian film and I haven't been able to find anything that tops that as right, far right. as, you know, disturbing and right. we did recently go and see terrifier 2 but i think terrifier 2 is like fun disgusting gore a serbian wow. film is just it's, it's grueling it's just it's painful to watch that movie um at least as a father for me it, yeah. that movie was painful to watch um <laughs> but anyways i'm going off on a tangent <laughs> It's all good. That's what people do on this show, especially um, my co-host, Danny. 
Um, but you know, it's funny you bring up a Serbian yeah. film, and I've never seen it. I've never even heard about it until we started talking about it in our writers group. And oh. I think I should point out to the people watching that you and I are in a writers group together. Um, I've interviewed Megan Stockton at this point, and her video has been on yep. the channel. Uh, Megan's been on the channel before too. And then you know we have a couple of other people. But um, I've had a chance to read a bit of your fiction. And as you can see around us, I have some of your works right on our little screen here. Um, today, I want our viewers to know that we're going to be talking about your yeah, book, The Best of Intentions, and we're going to be talking about your upcoming release, uh, The Death House. So I wanted to keep going with that Michael thread because, I mean, you're even rocking a Halloween shirt right now. And I was going to say, is there something about Halloween yeah. in particular? That like, do you really like the character of Michael Myers? Is there something about slashers in general? Like, what draws you to that? Halloween is for me. It's it's a it's a movie that I can put on when I, no matter how I feel. Um, it's a movie that I always come back to. Um, Halloween is one that. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to put into words exactly how I feel about the movie. Um, <laughs> I, I relate with the character of Laurie Strode, which is feels weird to say that, but I do. Um, but on the other side, I relate to the shape, to mm. Michael Myers. I um, When I was in school, you know, I was, I always felt like I was just on the peripheral of everything else um and in that way i i relate to the shape i don't want to you know kill my sister and <laughs> stab babysitters um but how he's always kind of on the on the peripheral of everything that's going on throughout that movie um i know that that sounds kind of pretentious and i don't mean it to but that movie, it's um, to me, it's the perfect Halloween movie. For Halloween, as in the the holiday, it's the perfect mm -hmm. fall movie. Um, right. It's it's a comfort watch, and it's such a simple, tight story. Mm -hmm. You know, absolutely. And at the end of the day. As as a storyteller, as somebody who who wants to make a career out of writing and telling stories, um, that's what I hope that I can achieve with everything that I write. Um, I just want to tell really engaging, simple stories that people can, you know, just pick up whenever they they want and have fun with it. Um, yeah. I, I am really, really Plus, glad I mean, you... the, the mask looks cool. So the mask is I, cool. I like the mask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am really glad that you brought up that idea of like simple, tight stories that anyone can engage. Because um, I always write questions when I'm going to interview people. And a couple of my points I was going to make is that reading the best of intentions, reading the death house, reading your uh, fiction that's encrypted, carnage um your stories are very tight that i don't find there to be like a lot of like sort of poetic description or like there's not meandering it's always very like yeah. to the point and i feel like it's almost like 
like workman's fiction where you kind of go into the details of like what your character is doing throughout the day. And I, I personally think that what yeah. you do with that is that it makes it more jarring when the violence occurs because you're, you're kind of lulled to the sense of everyday yeah. life. And then there's this like intense violence that you describe and it's very quick and to the point. Is that part of your intention? Yeah. Um, my intention is to, Okay, let's 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 look at Stephen King. All right. Yeah. He yeah. is a huge influence to every modern author. Doesn't Absolutely. matter what genre you are, you are in some way influenced by Stephen King. Mm -hmm. Um I would love to write, you know, these long flowery, you know, descriptions of a blade of grass, but my philosophy is I, if I can get it done, get the get get the desired effect in less words, mm -hmm. the better. Mm -hmm. For the simple for the simple reasoning of, if you talk to anybody um, who's into modern horror, um, mm -hmm. especially podcasters like yourself, um, I listen mm -hmm. to a lot of podcasts about movies, and the biggest complaint that I've heard is runtime. Mm -hmm. film runtime yep. yeah you know me i i'm okay with a three hour long slasher movie all right terrifier 2 was wonderful for me i could have gone another half an hour with that mm -hmm. um but i know some people find that you know way too tedious it's exhausting um so i kind of right by this philosophy of that old screenwriting rule where one page is one minute of film time mm -hmm. one page of the script yes so why not 1000 words be you know a minute or 500 words be a minute of film mm. you know yeah have these yeah. shorter tighter stories you know and You'd be hard pressed to find somebody that can read fifty thousand words in just one sitting, right. you know. But you can read it in one day. Easily. Yeah. Um, if the book is engaging enough, you can read it in one sitting. Right. But like, like the Death House, for example, that's forty-four thousand words, and I feel like that the length of it equates to like a good ninety-minute grindhouse movie. You know, I just want to take you by the hand and right. let's go to the drive-in and watch a movie together. Mm -hmm. You know, that movie that we're going to watch is what I write on the page. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, having this punchier, you know, more, I don't want to say gritty, but like, um, yeah, I'll, I'll say gritty, uh, punchier, grittier type of writing. Yeah, as opposed to the flowery, poetic, um, almost like you're writing in verse that some authors utilize. Um, wow. I feel like my words will resonate with more people. Yes, um, and more people will understand and mm -hmm. actually want to read it because they're not going to have to sit there with this with a dictionary or a thesaurus 
to understand what what it is that I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, really great point. And that is a really, you know, I've done a lot of these interviews at this point, and I have never heard anyone make that comparison. I don't know the idea of screenplays where it's like one minute of a film equals one minute, uh, one page of a script. But that's interesting to compare that to a book. Keep the story simple and make the characters matter. That's, that's, I think, the most important thing. And, you know, do I want to write a doorstop like it? Yeah. I would love to write a doorstop like it. I just don't think I have the patience for it, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe in 20 years, you know. But I feel like I have way too much to say within the genre to to worry, to spend that much time on, a, on one project. So uh, speaking of novels, you have uh, The Death House which you were telling me before, a digital copy should be available on Halloween of all days, right? And so whenever I have people on my show, yeah. I always want them to kind of pitch their story without spoiling it so that readers can kind of get a fresh look. But like, how would you pitch it to potential readers? Oh man, I'm bad at this. All right, uh, The Death House is a grindhouse book. It is not, I wouldn't necessarily call it splatterpunk because there's no political agenda behind it. You know, um, it has its extreme moments. So I would lean more towards the extreme horror side if, if, if I had to name one of those two genres. But I feel like Grindhouse hits it better. It's, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's reminiscent of hostile um but instead of being taking place in you know a foreign country it it, it takes place in a small small town actually i don't think i even named the town or really get into where the where the town is because it's very it you follow it's it's tropey in the way that you follow a group of of, of five friends two couples in the fifth wheel who get invited to this extreme haunt. Um, uh-huh. I'm sure you're familiar with extreme haunts like the Kami Manor. Um, I've been fascinated with those. Uh-huh. And I've, I've just never, I know I'll never have the balls to, to go through one of those, but I, I like the idea. I like the concept of people right. who are, who are brave enough to sign that waiver and get waterboarded for 12 hours. Um, (laughs) I couldn't do it. That's not for me, but the idea and the video footage that I'd seen stuck with me. And I thought, okay, well, what if somebody used the label of an extreme haunt to, um, to enact some sort of sick and twisted design? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where our friends that we follow, Nick, Jerry, um, Doug, Megan, and Christina, uh, that's the names of our group of, uh, they're not kids. I mean, they're, they're like college age, but they're out of college. They're working class people who just get together, you know, um, and, Nick and Jerry are brothers. They live together. Um, 
and they've actually been searching for this place called the Death House. And it's yeah. a fabled extreme haunt that supposedly nobody's ever, ever survived. Um, not, mm -hmm. you know, when they say survived, they mean, oh, nobody's ever made it all the way through. But really, nobody's ever survived the Death House. Um, and they catch wind that the, that the Death House will be operating in their area. And they manage mm -hmm. to get an invite. And they talk their girlfriends and their friend Doug into checking it out. And yeah. they may have bit off more than they could chew. <laughs> so without spoiling it too much, I mean, that's that's basically, you know, that's the setup. Um, yeah. It is, it, it is violent when it needs to be violent, but it's not, um, it's not just violence for the sake of violence. There are, there are some over the top violent moments, but I wanted you to feel those moments. So you don't get into that until I think it's nearly seven chapters into the book. And I tend to write a little bit longer chapters. So about halfway into the book is when it starts to really take off. And then mm -hmm. it just kind of goes like a rocket. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And um, what I was going to say, I kind of ask this question a lot of horror authors because it really intrigues me, this subject matter. You kind of said before that you are a bit of a pantser. You're essentially writing your first outline because you're doing a collaboration now. Um, as a pantser and as a horror writer, obviously there are sort of gruesome kills in this book, right? There's disturbing things that happen in this book. Oh. I always think of disturbing deaths as sort of like set pieces in a movie, like in an action movie. This is the scene that's on the boat, and this is the scene, you know, that is at the top of the Trade Center, right? Oh, that's a bad reference. But anyway, um, what I was going to say was, do you have those sort of kills, those kind of horrific moments in your head first, and you work them into your story? Or is it like they just kind of naturally happen as you are getting deeper and deeper into the narrative? I could say both happened with the death house. Um, okay. I knew there is, there's one character and it's, this scene is one that I think if this book is going to be known for anything, it's going to mm -hmm. be known for this scene and it's going to be known for, it's got a little bit of a rock and roll ending that I really, really like. And mm -hmm. everybody that's read it that has that I've reached out to um, and chatted back and forth with, um, yeah. at least outside of the writing group that we're in, um, like Christina Pfeiffer from the Mothers of Mayhem, Samantha Hawkins, she's a TikTok book talker, um, yeah. and a couple other reviewers, they all really dug how I ended it because it kind of just ends but mm -hmm. it's kind of like a big like fuck you kind of ending right right um and you'll understand the the list the watchers listeners will understand when if they read the book what what i mean by that mm -hmm. um and it, it's a kick-ass ending so but this scene in particular um there's an emotional weight to it and there is a level of 
a, a level of brutality between these two characters that I wasn't expecting, but yeah. I knew going in to write it that I wanted it to be the scene that the book is remembered for. There's there's no secret that you know these characters are going to come across some people that want to hurt them. Yeah. Uh, with a title like the Death House and with the way that I've set it up, and the, the, you read the back of the book, it's you know obviously these these kids have bit off more than they could chew. Um, the first the first couple that wake up in the Death House, mm-hmm. they have an interaction with some people. Mm-hmm. And everything kind of just fires off, mm-hmm. and they're they're in an they're in, blah, they're in an immediate fight for their life, yes. and they manage to persevere. They manage to come out come out on top, and they know they've got to find their friends and try to get the hell off this property. And the scene that they walk into is uh pr- probably the most violent and brutal thing I've ever written. Wow. Um and in terms of description. Um so the the gore hounds I think will like it, but I think yeah. a lot of people who fully immerse themselves in splatterpunk and extreme horror, it's not going to it's going to be old hat to them. Okay. But I think that the scene I I think it'll 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 rank right up there with with some of the you know best books of those subgenres but I'm biased yeah. because I wrote the damn thing um, <laughs> you know a, a lot of people that I've shown it shown the book um Ooh. that have read the book that have read that scene um my concern was that it would come across a little too try hard, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. everybody said that it it reads wonderfully. It's a disgusting scene. It's a painful scene to read, and yeah. it's it's very violent. Um, mm-hmm. It was an, it was very. It's probably the most uncomfortable scene. Maybe not the most brutal, but the most uncomfortable scene that I've ever had to write. Um, and, and so, so when you write yeah. something like that and, and you've got it on the page, like, how do you feel afterwards? Like, I know, um, Gabino Iglesias, I've never interviewed him, but like, I know that like when he wrote, um, the devil takes you home, he said that he had like a hard time sort of like, like just processing writing this kind of horrible stuff, this horrible stuff that even though it happened to children and things like that, you know, that he kind of needed time by himself and he had to like just kind of watch happy things. Do you ever find yourself having to kind of recover after writing some really disturbing things? Yeah. Um, after that scene in particular, I did. Um, yeah. After finishing the first draft of The Best of Intentions, I had to take a little bit of a breather. Um, but... I have a strong stomach and mm-hmm. I can handle mm-hmm. a lot when it comes mm-hmm. to heavy subjects. It's almost impossible to offend me 
if anybody's <laughs> going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I haven't yeah. completely offended myself yet. <laughs> um, but I, while I haven't read nearly enough of the man's work as I feel I should have, but the author, Joe Lansdale, I think yeah, you've okay. interviewed him. Yes, yes. He, yeah. uh, he, had, he has a saying that I, that I really love and yeah. it's, you know, right. Like everybody, you know, is dead. Right. Right. Um, I can't. You know, okay. Um, there for a little while, I had my biggest struggles with writing, you know, horror and, you know, disturbing scenes or anything like that. Uh -huh. um, my biggest struggle ultimately came from because I was afraid, not necessarily that my family was going to read it. Yeah. But, um, I, I identify as a man of faith. Yes, yeah. Um, and I don't want anybody to, you know, come at me or try to come at my family because, oh, you know, he claims to be a Christian, but he's writing this or he's writing that. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, these are just books. You yeah. Know? Um, so it took me a little bit to... Um, kind of resolve that within myself and and i actually had the opportunity to message back and forth with ronald kelly mm -hmm, a couple mm -hmm. of times and he sent me this wonderful article that he had written um that was basically that basically detailed his walk with faith mm -hmm. and um how he had to go and basically do the same thing you know he had to he had to resolve within his, his own heart and his own mind, you know, look, you're not doing anything wrong. Right. You know? So um, I'd say that that would be the only reason that I actually felt the need to kind of step back mm -hmm. because I maybe I went too far. I think I could have gone much further. I know I could have gone much further. But mm -hmm. I chose to stop when I did. Mm -hmm. uh, um, and it's because I don't want my writing to come across like I'm trying too hard or like I just want to relish in the gore. I want to tell you a good story. And at some point, you know, I can tell you about four or five stab wounds in, in a body. But if I keep telling you, okay, seven or eight stab wounds, and then the throat was cut, and then, right. you know, the torso was gutted from, you know, groin to sternum, right. you know, right. at some point, you're like, I get it. Okay, move on. You know, right. I don't want to sit there and relish in it, but I'm not going to shy away from it. And okay. I, it, it took me a while. It, it took me a couple of years to become comfortable actually writing the things that I feel like I'm supposed to be writing. And that is, you know, the death house is it's part of the reason I was never fully satisfied with the death house in its original uh, version. It was a short story that was published in an anthology and oh, okay. I just wasn't happy. And it was actually, it was actually a creature feature too. Uh, the death house was, it was still similar. Mm -hmm. 
some of the characters remained, um, right. but it was a, like a shape-shifting like, creature that was behind oh. everything that was going on. And I oh, did away man. with that because I wanted to, I wanted to touch on the nasty business that human beings can do. Yeah. Um, so hopefully I, hopefully I succeeded and hopefully that wasn't just a long winded tangent that didn't answer your question. No, no, it doesn't. I mean, it brings up a whole bunch of other things too, right? Um, it's funny that we talked about the death house and then of course you have the best of intentions which was like your first book and i feel like they're two very very different stories yeah. um there is graphic yeah. violence described in the best of intentions but i feel like it is a different kind of story altogether and that actually really bothered me once i finished that story and um I, I know that like you were recently on another um, YouTube show. It was a uh, Reader's Labyrinth, right? And the guy on there mentioned yeah, right. your mi military service, and I'm assuming that that was the inspiration for the best of intentions. Am I right or am I wrong? You're wrong. I mean, I, well, I'm... to to a certain degree, you're right, but okay. you're mostly wrong. Okay. Um, okay. I, I did pull from my real life for that story. Um, mm -hmm. I was an assistant site supervisor for a security company for a, um, are you familiar with the, like, um, hardware store Menards? I've heard that name, but we don't have any here in Texas and there weren't any in New York, I don't think, or at least where I live in Texas. Oh yeah, that's right. You're 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 okay. So basically, I was the an assistant site supervisor for a um like a a lumber distribution center. Okay, mm -hmm. um, I sat in a guard shack and read books. That's and doing that job is actually what put me on the path to becoming a writer. Um, oh okay, or okay. actually trying to take it seriously. Sure. Um, but, but, um, I pulled from that. Uh, there are some real, real stories. There's a character in the best of intentions that gets caught sleeping on the job. That was my right. brother. My oh, brother okay. Died. Okay. You know, everybody, yeah, everybody pulls from their, from their real life. Um, yeah. they just write a fictional account of it. Um, but a lot of the the war stuff that's in there the the combat stuff yeah that is stories that have been told to me from friends of mine that i was in the service with um family members that sure. were military things like that um i didn't pull any any actual personal military experiences for the mm -hmm. book with the mm -hmm. exception of there is a passage or two where I talk about where, where I wrote about um, soldiers showing up to formation drunk <laughs> and having to, having to try to stand still. That yeah. was from my personal experience. Um, <laughs> but the other stuff, the, the real dark stuff, 
um that came from other other people who have told me about their experiences and things like that so you're right but you're wrong at the same time <laughs> and i think that we should uh kind of explain the best of intentions to our readers too without kind of spoiling it and i think i can maybe take a shot at it if you don't mind like By all means. yeah so the main character corey he uh is this head of the security group uh that you mentioned before and he's checking up on this property he um is a veteran who has seen combat and he has ptsd he has a son that he loves and a wife that he loves and he starts to get these ominous messages that are hinting at something that's going to happen in the future it's making him more and more paranoid and uh you know we'll see who the messages are coming from and what it ultimately leads to and i hope that didn't spoil anything no i don't think that spoils anything um when when i pitched the book i the when i pitch it say at, at a convention mm -hmm. i put the book in somebody's hands and i'll i'll tell them so this is a book that deals with a man suffering with PTSD who has allowed himself to get too involved with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And the book begs the question, how far would you go to protect the people that you love? Mm -hmm. But then there's a B side to that question. What if you were wrong? Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's how I pitch it, and it's that pitch has sold me a few copies. So um, <laughs> I'd say it's it's a decent pitch for the book. In in the very beginning, uh, you have an acknowledgement in the very beginning of the book, and yep. you uh, the fir very first person you thank is your mother in law. I, I was wondering what was the significance of that. So my mother in law, Elizabeth. Um, my very first published short story was a short story version of the best of intentions. Oh, okay. And well, it was kind of like novelette novella length. It was like 13, 14,000 words. Um, basically my, my mother-in-law, she's not a huge horror fan. She dabbles in like light horror. Um, but she's mostly like a romance reader. Mm. and one of the publishing houses that puts out a lot of the books that she that she reads um every october they release a horror anthology and she saw a call for submissions my mother-in-law saw that they released a call for submissions and she shared that with me and oh, cool. I, I pitched them just a a concept idea for the for the best of intentions and they accepted it and then i had to make do and actually write it um i had nothing more in my head than you know the final image in the book that very ending moment yeah, yeah. that's what i saw first that's okay the, the original and i kind of reverse engineered it and kind of just kept asking okay what would bring this man to this position and you know kind of just right. work backwards but um yeah she she shared a, a call for submissions and it made me actually have to write something to completion the short story version of the best of intentions is the first thing that i've ever completed 
Mm. And I felt it was fitting that it would be the first novel because I always wanted it to be more of like a novella. When I was really writing it and finishing it for the publication that yeah. it that it ended up with, um, I I could feel that it was that it should at least be a novella. Sure. Um, but then when I was rewriting it for D and T, because um, I pitched D and T once I got the rights back. I pitched yeah. DT and I started rewriting it. The first 6,000 words of best of intentions turned into the first like 12 or 13,000 words. And I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is probably going to be a novel. Not just <laughs> right. a novella. And when it did become my first novel, and you know, DT and I had already signed the contracts for it, I, I knew immediately that I was going to dedicate that book to my mother in law. Because yeah. if it weren't for her, that story would not exist. Do you have anything that's like on the horizon after the death house that like you can kind of allude to or no? You got to keep it on the wraps? Sneaky, sneaky, Pete. Sneaky, <laughs> sneaky. <laughs> sneaky um, Pete, is that like a show? I think that was a show on Showtime with you know, like uh, I, Giovanni I, Rubisi. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I can talk a little bit about this. Um, okay. I know, I know she won't mind. Go ahead. Um, Megan Stockton, who wrote Ethic and Quiet Pretty Things, um, and she has an upcoming release called Blue Jay. I believe it releases in March or April through D&T. That's fine. Um, her and I are collaborating on a novel that we are hoping we are. It's a novel told in two parts. The first part is finished. Um, well, it's unedited, but it's finished. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm currently in the process of doing a pseudo outline for the second part. Oh, we, know wow. what the, we know what the story is. We know how we're going to finish it. Um, it's just, I, I just got to either tonight or tomorrow finish uh, writing up a linear um, kind of breakdown synopsis of um, what the second part is going to be. And then we're going to just kind of trade off every couple thousand words and write right through until the end. And that one, we are looking at releasing that at AuthorCon at the end of March. Oh, dang. So, okay. yeah. Wow, that's soon. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a quick turnaround. But with the two of us working on it together, yeah. uh, my, my editor, Mary Danner, uh, she's already signed on to edit the book. Um, so we're hoping, I'm hoping the book will be in Mary's hands by mid to late December. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And if, and if that's the case, we'll just, we'll turn it over into Mary's hands and then let her chop it up and edit it while we start shopping for a cover. We don't, we don't have a title yet. It's currently untitled. Um, mm. I think we're gonna we're gonna title it once the book is finished, once the writing the initial writing is done. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's that's what's coming immediately next. Um, okay. I was invited the three after that. I have three other publications that'll be coming out 
all three of which are through DNT. Okay. I'm not sure how much I can talk about each one, but I can give I can give a little bit. Um, wow. The first one is a short story. I was invited. They so they do a Seven Deadly Sins series, and it's seven books featuring seven authors, and um, each author writes a short story based on one of the seven deadly sins. Uh, the sure. book that I was invited to write for was for Wrath. So yeah. I am working on uh, trying to craft a seven or 8,000 word story for for them. That one's a mm. charity anthology. Because, um, oh, I didn't really get into what the collaboration is. But yeah. um, it's basically like a tribute to Halloween. Is what oh. the collaboration with Megan Stark. So it it's a tribute to Halloween. It's basically if you take what um, David Gordon Green did with this recent trilogy, yeah. how it's okay. They use the first movie as almost like a prologue to their trilogy. Um, it's basically like that, but it's told in two parts, and okay. there's no forty year time gap, and oh, we okay. do things. We're telling this story the way that we felt that 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 trilogy should have gone, but yeah. we're using original characters. Um, it's not Michael Myers. Um, it's it's kind of hard to get into, but it's very very Halloween. It is very okay. um, it is a blatant homage to Halloween. So anybody <laughs> that enjoys Halloween, I think, will take the book. Um, then I've, I've got the wrath story. Um, right. I signed a contract for my next novel through DNT that'll come out. Wow. I believe the release date is set for late October of 2023. So wow. one year from now, yeah. that book will be out. That one's called devil's night. Oh, that one yes. is another slasher style story. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you read a little bit of that one. You, I think you read the first like ten thousand words or so. What I sent to DNT um, to see if they'd be interested. Um, yeah. and I, I also sent them one. another one. No, no contract. Yeah, um, no, no contracts have been signed about this one, so I don't know how much I can say about it. But DNT has expressed interest. In another uh, novella, may potential novel called "Till Death Do We Part," which is it's um it's a bit of a revenge story. Um, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's all I'm going to say about that one right now. Um, it's a, you know, it's a you revenge story change... called "Till Death." You you should change your name, like for your author's name, like just like George R. R. Martin or like you know J.R.R. Tolkien. It should just be like Joshua D. N. T. McMillan. Considering like that's your like future, no, you know. D. I love D. N. T. Um, D. N. T. Took a they took a chance. Um, yeah, signing me. Um, I was unheard of. I'd had a couple of short stories published. They they brought me on with ABC's A Terror Volume 2 
and I wrote a story for them called Wise for Yellowstone. And, you know, they were at that time, they were only doing these anthologies. And mm -hmm. I reached out to Dawn and I asked her, I was like, hey, by chance, do you guys have you guys ever considered, you know, publishing novels or novellas? And she, you know, months later, when I heard her tell this story on the podcast, I realized, wow, how crazy this is. But literally mm -hmm. the day before, her and her husband had been talking about that. And they said, well, mm -hmm. you know, or her husband had said, well, let's see what happens. And the next day, she gets a message from me asking mm -hmm. about it. And... um you know, so I sent them the original story for the best of intentions, mm -hmm. and they felt it would be marketable, and they they were willing to take a chance. And wow. ever since then, I I've, I've lost count how many authors they authors they've signed, how many standalone novels and novellas and collections that they've released. Right, I mean, they've got Ronald Kelly, they've got. I'm not going to go through a roster only because I know I'm going to forget somebody. <laughs> but, um, I mean, Ronald Kelly, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. he's big a name. fairly big name. And One of the he, biggest. Yeah. He jumped at the chance to work, you know. Um, awesome. So I, I love d I would I would bend over backwards and walk through hell for Don. Well, so I was going to say that at the end of the video, when I have these authors on, I always have you guys just kind of plug where they can find, uh, where readers can find your stuff, right? And so you, obviously you have a lot of things coming out. Right. Is there a website that people can go to to find your things? And then also, where are you on social media? So I don't have a website yet. Um, that's one of the next things that I'm going to be working on. Everything right. right now, everything right now is available on Amazon. Um, if you just search my name, it'll come up. Uh, Cryptic Carnage is also available on Godless. Uh, the Best of Intentions is solely on Amazon because we wanted to try uh, Kindle Unlimited with it, see how that did for the sales. The Death House will be um, exclusively on Amazon. Uh -huh. um, however, I do, I will have paperbacks of both the best of intentions and the death house that if somebody wanted a signed copy, they could reach out to me directly and, you know, buy directly from me and you get the signed book, you get bookmarks, uh, swag, all thank you card, little things like that. Um, what else? Um, yeah. Every Amazon is probably the best place to find everything. Um, Otherwise, as far as where I'm at on social media, I'm on Facebook. Uh, that's where I'm most active. I am on Twitter. Yeah. I'm trying to be more active on Twitter. Um, yeah. I do have an Instagram. If you just search my name, you'll find me. I think my Instagram is at the Joshua McMillan. Twitter is at Josh McMillan 88. And then Facebook is just my name. And I do have an author page attached to it. So. Nice. Cool, man. Well, I enjoyed talking to you and, you know, I just like hearing about your behind the scenes stuff. 
Um, I've had a lot of fun when you come on and talk about movies with me and Danny too. So uh, before your release that's coming out, you know, after the Death House, if you want to come back and talk about some movies with us again, we'd gladly have you on again. Oh, for sure. For Sweet. sure. I love wow. talking horror. Any Anytime I get to talk horror, oh, I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool, man. So then until then, we will see you next time. Thank you so much, man.